Good morning. We are on the bottom of 4A, the last line on the page, uh, starting at the colon. V'chachamim omrim ad chatzot, the last, second to last line. Um, we're just going back to the words of the Mishnah. The sages had said that you can say Shema until midnight, the evening Shema until midnight, which was different than the other two opinions. One opinion, which was Rabbi Eliezer said, you can say Shema until three stars come out. I'm sorry, until the end of the first watch. And Rabbi Gamliel said, you can say Shema until daybreak. So now we're going to analyze the opinion of the sages that says you can say it until midnight. Chachamim kaman Savirahu. Who do the sages hold like? What is their, who does their thinking align with? If they hold like Rabbi Eliezer's thinking, then why don't they say the same opinion as Rabbi Eliezer? You see, in Shema, in the Shema itself, the prayer itself found in the Bible, it says you should say Shema You should say Shema when you go down to sleep, when you lay down. Rabbi Eliezer, who says that you can say Shema, the evening Shema, until the end of the first watch, understands when you lay down to mean that you can say Shema until the end of the point in time when people go to sleep at night, which he believes is at the end of the first watch. So if the sages understand the verse like that, that it means you can say Shema until the point until the point people start until the point people stop going to sleep for the night, um, why don't they then say you can say Shema until daybreak? Until uh, the end of the first watch. And if they hold like Rabbi Gamliel's understanding of the verse, that when it says you when you go to sleep, you should say Shema when you go to sleep or when you lay down, it means that you can say Shema during the entire time that people are sleeping, which is until daybreak. Then why don't they say the same opinion as Rabbi Gamliel? So we answer, Rabbi Gamliel severe Aluhu. The reality is, is that they understand the verse of the Shachbacha, that you should say Shema when you lay down, like Rebbe Gamliel, that you can say Shema the entire time that people are sleeping until daybreak. If so, why do they then say that you can only say Shema until midnight? It's in order to distance a person from transgression. Like we learned in a Baraisa. Chachamim asu The sages made a fence for their words, meaning they were extra careful. They would make enactments in order to protect, um, in order to protect the mitzvot. So what did they do here? They were worried. They were worried that perhaps a person will come from a long day of work in the field, Arab in the evening. Omer and he'll say to himself, I'm going to go straight to my home. Ochel kima, and I'm going to eat a little bit. Ve'eshte kima, and I'm going to drink a little bit. Ishan kima, and I'm going to sleep a little bit. Ve'acharkach ekra kriyashma, and after I do all of that, then I'll say shema. Ve'espalel, and then I will dab in the evening prayer. Now, don't forget, whenever we learn see in the Gemara and the Talmud, the word, the, the a reference to prayer, it generally means. Um, it generally is referring to one of the three Amida prayers, one of the three Shemona Esrei prayers that we say during the day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and once in the evening. So basically a person will say to themselves, I'm going to go home first, I'm going to eat, I'm going to rest, I'm going to drink, and then I'll say Shema, and then I'll say the evening prayer because I have all night to do it, I can do it until daybreak. And what will end up happening is, V'chot Fasoshina. 
sleep will come over him, and then he'll just end up sleeping the entire night and have completely missed being able to say Shema and being able to say the evening prayer. So by saying that you only have until midnight to do that, what instead will happen is, a person will come from a long day of work in the field, at night. And instead of going home, he'll immediately go to the shul. And if it's not yet the time for Shema, if it's his habit to, if it's uh, if he's accustomed to reading the Torah, to learning the Torah, to learning the Bible, he'll be able to learn a little bit at shul. And if it's his custom to learn the Mishnah, he'll be able to learn the Mishnah a little bit until it comes time to say Shema and pray. Then he'll say Shema, and then he'll say the evening Amida. And then he'll go home and eat his meal and bless after his meal. So because they would say, because they said that you have to say the Shema by midnight, it enforced, it ensured that people would first go to shul before going home and take care of all of their ritualistic, all of their religious um, obligations, and then they would go home for the night to relax and eat. And then the Brisa concludes with a very interesting words: misa, and anybody that transgresses the words of the sages is liable for death. Now, obviously, we know that this is an exaggeration. We know that if you don't say Shema by midnight and instead say it a little bit later, you are not going to be killed in court. But what we are going to focus on is the fact that we use such a strong language, such harsh language, specifically when it came to these, this enactment of ensuring that we say Shema and Shemona Esrei at its right time. So, again, this is, an, this is a, obviously an exaggeration. No one's being killed. But we still are wondering, we're still going to wonder why we use such harsh language. Back into the Gemara, why is it that in every other case of a rabbinic enactment, we don't say that if you transgress that rabbinic enactment, you're going to be liable for death? Whereas here, we say that if you transgress this rabbinical enactment, and then you will be liable for death. Why do we use such harsh language specifically here? So we have two possible answers. One possible answer is, is because the possibility of sleep overtaking one is so, it's such a possibility. Because when you come home after a long day at work, it's so easy for sleep to consume you. It's so easy for sleep to overtake you. So therefore, we use extra harsh language to ensure that you do not let that to happen. You do not let that happen before saying Shema and the evening Amida. Or perhaps we use this um, harsh language. The words are literally translated as if you want, I can say. And they usually uh, refer to um, another answer being given or an answer being given. So another reason why we use such harsh language specifically here is We're coming to exclude from the opinion that says that the Amida in the evening is just a it's just an elective, not an obligation. We use this very harsh language to teach you that it's actually an obligation and do not forget that. Okay. So now what we're going to do, we're at the colon in the Gemara. We're going to go back to a couple of words that were said in that Baraisa. The Baraisa said that a person will say Shema and then 
say the evening prayer service, the evening Amidah, and we want to use that as a proof for another law. Omar Mar, Master, it said, we're referring to the Brisa, Kore Kriya Shma Umispala, that you would say Shma, and then you say the evening Amidah. Messiah Leila Rabbi Yochanan, now this is a proof for Rabbi Yochanan. Yomar Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan said, Izehu ben ha'olam haba, who is it that is a person that deserves or merits the world to come? Zehasomech gu'ula litfila shal arvis. It's somebody that connects the blessing of redemption to the evening amida. So you have to understand. So when it comes to the Shema, in the morning there's blessings said before and after the Shema and in the evening as well. One of the blessings said after the Shema in the evening is a blessing of redemption, referring to God as our Redeemer. And what Rabbi Yochanan believes is that you would say Shema, and then you would say this blessing of redemption, and then you immediately connect that with the evening Amida. And that is actually what we do to this very day. Rabbi Shubhan Levi, Rabbi Shubhan Levi argues. Keep back into the Gemara. Rabbi Shubhan Levi, the second to last uh, narrow line. Rabbi Shubhan Levi, Omer Rabbi Shubhan Levi says, Tefilos be'emsa tiknum. It's not true. Rabbi Shubhan Levi, Rabbi Shubhan Levi is telling Rabbi Yochanan, your formula is wrong. The reality is, is that in the morning we say Shema. And then we say the morning Amidah. And then a little bit later in the afternoon, we say, and a little bit later in the afternoon, we say the afternoon Amida. And then after that, we say, once it hits evening, we say the evening Amida. And then after the evening Amida, we say the evening Shema. So if you zero in on the evening, according to Rabbi Shul ben Levi, you first say the evening Amida, and then you say Shema. Different than Rabbi Shul ben Levi, who would say, you say Shema, and then the redemption blessing, and then the Amida. So back into the Gemara, last couple of words in the narrow lines. <clears throat> so what is the basis of their argument? So we know what their argument is, but what is the basis for it? So if you want, I can say that their argument is based on a kra, on a verse in the Torah. Or if you want, we can say, perhaps we can say that their argument is based on a logical disagreement. So if you say that their argument is based on a logical disagreement, the following would be the logical the, the disagreement. Rabbi Yochanan holds that the redemption, our original redemption, the redemption from Egypt, it did begin in the evening. It did begin at night. That just wasn't the significant part of the redemption. At night, the Pharaoh already told us that we could leave. We actually were redeemed. We actually left Egypt in the morning. But that means, though, that there was a sense of redemption already in the evening. And if there's a sense of redemption already in the evening, then it would make sense that the most significant part of our prayer service, which is the evening Amidah, be connected to redemption, which even in the original redemption had a relevance in, had relevance in the evening as well. That is Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. Rabbi Shubin Levi Savar, Rabbi Shubin Levi holds, Kivin the Lohavya Ela Mitzafra, Lohavya Gula Ma'ayasa. Being that the significant part of the redemption, the original redemption, did not take place until the morning. So in the evening, we need not connect redemption to the evening Amida. 
In the morning, everybody agrees that you do the redemption blessing and then immediately you go into the Amida. In the evening, though, because the evening, the evening is not as connected to the redemption, based on the original redemption, there is where we find a dispute if we say the, redemp if the redemption blessing specifically has to be connected to the evening Amida. That is how it would work. That is how the disagreement would be understood um, if we're, it's a logical disagreement, if it's a disagreement in Svara, in logic. And what about if it's a disagreement in um, on a, about a verse, the understanding of a verse? How does that work? So let's take a look. Or if you want, I can say that their disagreement is based on a verse. And both of them expound the same verse. The verse tells us, You should say the Shema when you lay down at night and when you get up in the morning. And we see that they are juxtaposed. They're right next to each other. The injunction to say Shema in the evening and the injunction to say Shema in the morning. So that teaches us that they have something in common. So what is it that they have in common? Rabbi Yochanan Savar, Makish Shechiva Lakima, Rabbi Yochanan holds, we juxtapose the evening Shema and the morning Shema to teach you. Ma Kima, Kriya Shema, V'acharkach Tefillah, just like the morning Shema, you say Shema first and then you say the Amida. Av Shechiva Nami, so too the evening Shema. Kriya Shema, V'acharkach Tefillah, we say the evening Shema and then we say the evening Amida. Rabbi Shubman Levi Savar, Rabbi Shubman Levi holds, no, that is not the interpretation of the uh, juxtaposition. He holds, Makish Shechiva Lakima, we juxtapose the evening Shema to the morning Shema. Makima Kriya Shema Samach Lamitaso, just like the morning Shema, we say Shema near our bed, meaning as close as possible to getting up in the morning, as close as possible to leaving our bed, that's when we say Shema, so therefore we say Shema before the Amida. So so to the evening Shema, Kriya Shema Samach Lamitaso. The Shema should be said, near our bed, meaning it should be the last prayer that we say before going to bed. So it should be the evening Amida, and only and after that we would say the Shema, so though it's the last prayer we say before going to bed. So that would be the understanding of the disagreement if it's based on a verse. Now we're going to ask a question. We're going to ask a question, according to Rabbi Yochanan, who holds that you say the re that we will try to connect in the evening as well the redemption blessing to the Shemona Esrei. We have a question. Masiv Mar, Berei de Ravina, one, two, three, four, five, six lines down in the wide lines. Masiv Mar, Berei de Ravina. So Mar, Berei de Ravina, Mar, the son of Ravina, asked the following question. We know that in the evening Shema, we say two blessings before and two blessings after. And the two blessings we say after Shema, one is the redemption blessing, the first one, and the second one is the Hashkivenu blessing. God, lay us down in peace, protect us from what may come. That's the second blessing. Now, if you're going to tell me that we're supposed to connect the redemption blessing to the evening Amida, by requiring that second blessing, of lay us down in peace, we end up not having that immediate connection between the blessing of redemption and the Amida, because we have the blessing of Hashkivenu right in the middle of it. The Habayilamimar Hashkivenu, because we have to say Hashkivenu. So we give a very interesting answer to that question. Omri, even the Takinu Rabbanon Hashkivenu. 
Once the sage is enacted, that we have to say that second blessing of Hashkivenu, it almost becomes absorbed in the first blessing, which has to do with redemption, and it ends up just being a two-blessing-long discussion of redemption. The first blessing is a more focused discussion of redemption, and the second blessing of Hashkivenu is a bit more general. God, save us from all of the danger that may come. And we have a proof for this. We have a proof for this idea that when a blessing is added by the sages, it could be a continuation of something else that had previously been there. Because if we do not say like this, even in the morning where everybody agrees that we are to juxtapose, that we are to connect the redemption blessing and the Amida, if we were to say that a a later prayer would serve as an interruption, then even in the morning we would not be able to connect the blessing of redemption and the Amida. Didn't Rabbi Yochanan say, that before we start the Amida, immediately before we start the Amida, we should say the words, God, open my lips. Let my mouth declare your praise. Ula Vasov, and right after the Amida, who Omer, you're supposed to say, that may, may the words of my mouth be uh, be willful before you. But what do we see? We see that Rabbi Yochanan added and told us that we should say this little prayer before beginning the Amida. Now that prayer would seemingly separate between the blessing of redemption and the Amida. So how do we reconcile that? Because everybody in the morning agrees that you need to have the redemption blessing connected to the Amida. Allah some rather it must be there in the morning. Being that the rabbis enacted that we have to say the words, um, God open our God open our lips before we start the Amida, it becomes like part of the Amida prayer. And it just becomes like it's absorbed into the Amida prayer and it just becomes a longer Amida prayer. And therefore we end up having that you're still connecting the redemption blessing to the Amida prayer. So to here, in the case of the evening, because the rabbis enacted us to say the second blessing of Hashkivenu, God, lay us down in peace. Becomes absorbed into the previous blessing of redemption and it becomes like a two blessing long discussion of redemption. So that can be reconciled. We are now at the next colon on the page and we are going to talk about a very new topic having to do with the Ashray prayer, a very, very well known prayer that basically is made, that is basically one of the Psalms of King David. The reason we're going to talk about this prayer here is because once we started talking about um, how somebody who connects the redemption blessing to the Shemona Asrei, to the Amida, it's somebody that merits the world to come, we're going to talk about something else that allows you, that makes you deserving of the world to come. Amra Belazar, Belazar says, Amra Avinas, he said this in the name of Avina. Everybody that's anyone that says the Ashray prayer every day, Shalosh Pa'amim, three times, can be confident that they are somebody that merits the world to come. My Taima. What's the reason for this? Why is the Ashray prayer so significant? 
If you're going to say it's because each line begins with one of the Aleph Bet, begins with one of the, uh, so basically the first line starts with an Aleph, the second line starts with a Bet, the third verse starts with a Gimel, and so on and so forth. But I could tell you about a psalm that's even better in that way. Why don't we then say the psalm of Ashrei Tamime Derech, which is Psalm 119, which actually is goes through the Aleph Beit eight different times. Eight times does it go through the Aleph Beit. It's a very long psalm. Elamishum de Ispe, so rather there must be another reason as to why the Ashrei prayer is specifically significant. Elamishum de Ispe, Poseach Hasidacha, rather it must be because in the Ashrei prayer, the words Poseach Hasidacha, that God opens God's hands to everybody, in other words, provides for everybody, which is such a significant part, such an important trait of God, and uh, makes therefore the psalm that contains that idea very significant. But if that's why it's so significant, But if that's the case, we have another psalm that also makes the same reference, that God provides for everybody. So why is the Ashrei specifically significant? Rather, it must be because it has both of them. It's both made up, it's both an acrostic of the Aleph Bet, and it also has the words, it also has the idea of God providing for everybody. Now that we're talking about Ashrei, we're going to continue talking about another point in the Ashrei prayer. Rabbi Yochanan asked, why is it that there's no line in the Ashrei that begins with the letter Nun? We have a line that begins with every other letter of the Hebrew alphabet, yet we don't have one that begins with Nun. So we answer, The word Nun is the first letter of the word Nofel, or to fall. And therefore, if we had the word letter nun, a verse that had the letter nun, it would be too reflective of the concept of the Jewish people falling. Like the verse says in Amos, in Amos, They have fallen and will never get back up. The Virgin of Israel, the Jewish people. Now, there's another interpretation of that verse. Let's just refer to that interpretation. In the West, they would interpret that verse as follows. They have fallen, but will no longer fall, will not continue to fall. Once again, the virgins of Israel, the virgin of Israel will once again arise. The Jewish people will arise. But because the word letter nun is symbolic of this concept of falling. We therefore did not want one of the verses of Ashrei to begin with the letter Nun. That's why King David did not include it. Rav Nachum Yitzchak says, Nonetheless, even though King David did not put a verse with the letter Nun in um, explicitly, Chazar David v'samcha baruach hakodesh, King David, in using his uh, Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit, which is some sort of ability to know the future, it's a little bit less than prophecy, but he must have seen that one day the Jewish people will fall. So the verse after the skipped Nun verse, so in other words, the verse that starts with Samich, is all about, so Hashem God supports all those that have fallen, which is remarkable. Okay, we are now at the next colon.
the next colon, and now we're going to talk about angels for just a moment. And the reason we're going to talk about this uh, this teaching is because once we mention the teaching of Rabbi Elazar in the name of Avina, we're going to teach another teaching of Rebbe Lazar in the name of Avina. Amr Blazar, the son of Avina. Amr Blazar bar Avina. This is Rebbe Lazar, the son of Avina, says, Greater is that which it says about the angel Michael more than what it says by the angel Gabriel. Because when it comes to the angel Michael, it says, that one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me using only one language of flying. So it says, Flew to me. Gabriel, but when it comes to Gavriel, if it says Vaish Gavriel, the man Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, Ashura Isi Bechazon that I saw in a vision, Bitchila in the beginning, Muaf Bayaf was in flight. But there it says the word flight two times. As if to tell us that Michael would arrive in one flight, whereas Gabriel, Gabriel needed two flights. In other words, Michael was a bit more powerful. In his, in his abilities, in that he only needed to have one flight to get to his destination, whereas Gavriel would need two flights to get to his destination. Obviously, there's a lot more when it comes to mysticism. There's a lot more here than uh, the literal translation. Now, we referred to one verse and said that it referred to Michael, but there was no mention of Michael. So how do we know that verse referred to Michael? So back into the Gemara. From where do we know that that verse... That refers to one of the angels is a reference to Michael. So Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Asya echad echad. We see the word one of the angels used there, and then we have another verse where the word one is used. It says in our verse that we quoted, that one of the angels flew to me. And there's another verse that says, and behold, Michael, one of the first attendants, um, came to help me. So we see there that um, Michael is referred to as the one. So here too, when it's referring to one of the angels, there will be a reference to Michael. Tana, and we have a teaching based on this. Michael ba'achas, Gavriel b'shtayim, Eliyahu ba'arba, u'malachamavis b'shmona. To give us an idea of the power of the different uh, of these different heavenly beings, Michael needs one flight to get to his destination. Gabriel needs two. Elijah the prophet needs four. Elijah, the same prophet, the same one that comes to Abris and comes to the Pesach Seder, needs four flights. Umalachamaves, and then the angel of death needs eight flights. Ubishasamagepha, but at the time of a plague, Baachas, then the Malachamaves is more powerful. The angel of death is more powerful and only needs one flight. Um, one more new, now we're going to talk about a new thing. This has to do with Shema. We talked about saying Shema close to going to bed. Amr Mshuban Levi, Mshuban Levi says, Even if you already said the evening Shema in the Shul, it's still a mitzvah to say the Shema again on your bed or before going to sleep. Amr Abiyosi says, What is the source of this ruling that you should say Shema again before going to sleep? The answer is, the verse tells us, Tremble and sin not. Reflect in your hearts while on your beds and be utterly silent. Selah. That is a reference to saying Shema before going to sleep. We will stop here for today and we will continue um, in our next podcast.
what we talked about today, let's just review. Um, we first wanted to understand where the sages got their opinion that you can only say Shema until midnight, and we talked about how it was an enactment in order to keep away a person from sinning and completely missing the Shema prayer. We talked about the real significance that this teaching was given. We then went to a new idea discussing the connection of the redemption blessing and the Amida, and whether that applies in the evening as well. And then we talked about Ashrei and the significance of the Ashrei prayer. And then we talked about the different angels and their powers. And now we begin a new concept, a new topic, which is all about re-saying Shema again before going to sleep. Have a great day. And as always, any questions, insights, and comments, they're always very welcome. Take care.